and welcome to the show that is very grateful it sat out the after-after show party last night. On today's show, it's all getting very real in the Football League. We're all over three proper death or glory clashes from up and down the divisions. Look away now, Morecambe fans. Caroline Barker has vaulted from presenter chair to guest chair. Matt Stanger hasn't actually left the studio since last week. Joe Crilly is having a Bolton-induced breakdown and producer Tayo has fled the country. It's just another week at the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. Morning, everyone. I like how you're nearly as deep as me. What, profoundly deep? Yes, that's what I was going for. The Jazz FM party here suits you well, sir. Thank you very much. Mm. I'm uh, I'm just about surviving. You're on the Wes Houlihan levels of emotion. <laughs> no one's allowed to be mean to me in case I actually crack like an egg. Which brings me to Matt Stanger. <laughs> Good morning. Hello. What fresh delights have you got for me today? Um... I don't know. I'm just enjoying my uh, Perrier water. You very are. Nice, very You're supposed to be from Blackburn. You can't drink Perrier on the show. And We've not got it up there it yet. From a can as well. <laughs> well, I'm not quite at ice and lemon stage. I don't think. We will have Joe Crilly here soon. Um, I just got a message from him saying he'd been thrown off the train at St Paul's. I don't know if that's like literally or the train had broken down and he's currently clambering through tunnels, lost in ghost stations, that kind of thing. But he he will be here very soon on the show. Um, In his absence, though, we'll talk about performance of the week. Caroline, who did you go for? I was going to go for Barnet, but someone else had already taken them. (laughs) And uh, having seen lots of messages afterwards, particularly one that said, why not Wes Houlihan? Why not Wes Houlihan? Uh, So who did I go for? Uh, You went went for Barnsley, Caroline. I'm glad you took it seriously. I knew that. I knew that. Uh, It's because I wanted Barnet. Barnsley was key. Fair shout. Pivotal. Yeah. Fair shout, but you're saying where where has it come? Uh, it came second with 26%. So oh, well, not, well not done me for backing almost. Well, you pipped me because I had 25%. Yeah, uh, I with, said don't go Barnett. for Barnet. Yeah, <laughs> you did all right. And you definitely beat Joe, who went for Middlesbrough, a game we'll talk about very soon. Um, but Matt, you won 33%. You win again. Who'd oh, you go wow. for? I think that's my first win of the season. Uh, I went for Coventry, 6-1 at Cheltenham. Sort of, you know, thought it got quite a sizable fan base, decent result. That, that combination there to get the winning ticket this time. I'm happy with that. So, you didn't actually go for performance of the week, you went for the one that you thought would make you win. I've been playing a tactical <laughs> game throughout the season. This is the first time it's paid off. That is disgraceful. Wes Houlihan, though, he actually got quite a lot of votes, didn't he? Yeah, he People did. spoiling their ballot papers. Uh, let's talk about him briefly. 10 years at Norwich, 352 appearances for the Irish Messi. The moment that he scored and everyone went, well, at least any commentators on it. I didn't get to listen to, to BBC Radio Norwich, but I assume they went, oh, he's written the script or something like that. And movie make of him something better than that, I hope, given their commentators. Uh, where's Hulan leaving? There were tears on the pitch. There were tears afterwards. If you get the chance, although hopefully we might play a bit of it. Should we're we going to play a bit of his farewell now. The point of Guinness. <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, I thanked the boys yesterday. They were brilliant. Uh, you know, you know, they knew what yesterday meant for me. And, uh, yeah, just thanked everybody. Oh, that was quite sweet, wasn't it, Matt? Yeah, it was lovely. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm disappointed they didn't get me to... Because to, I was right out there for the... Um, just one take. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, is what he made, those noises. It's a great quote of Wes Hulands, that, you. isn't it? <laughs> Thank you. Right. Without further ado, should oh. we do the... Oh, no, further ado. Uh, sorry, can I also mention Chris Cohen? 
because I know yes. that uh, we got a bit of stick on Channel 5. Well, some did. It wasn't my game, so I'm taking no blame for this whatsoever. But Nottingham Forest midfielder Chris Cohen as well, announcing his retirement. It he came said, on for the last minute, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. And a brilliant reception for him. And well done, him. And uh, I've mentioned him now. Thank you. OK. And now it's time for the Championship Roundup. You're listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. For all the latest odds in the footballing world, check out williamhill.com or download the app. And if you don't spot something you fancy, why not tweet at William Hill using the hashtag YourOdds for your very own personalised bet. 18 plus only, be gambleaware.org and when the fun stops, stop. Having said that, I'd never bet on Sunderland again. Do you know what I did on Friday? Yep, I emptied the meagre pile of coppers that constituted my betting account and pushed it all on the Mackhams. For 17 minutes, I dared to dream. <sighs> Fulham won 2-1. Preston North End had a rather better weekend, though. They had the daunting task of a trip to Bramall Lane, but they came through it, beating the Blades 1-0 to give themselves a real chance at the playoffs. There'll be no playoffs for Bristol City, though. Their failure to beat Nottingham Forest confirms that their promising season ends with nothing more than an upper mid-table finish. Gary Rowett has finally got a reaction out of Derby. The Rams beat Cardiff 3-1 last Tuesday and survived a battering against Aston Villa on Saturday to take home a point that keeps them inside the top six. But Brentford's playoff dream is over. The Bees lost 2-0 to Barnsley, who climbed outside the relegation zone by virtue of a vastly superior goal difference to Burton. The Brewers live to fight another day, though. They dragged Bolton into the murky depths with a 2-0 win at the Pirelli Stadium, ahead of what's set to be a tense final day at the bottom. Oh, Birmingham, what have you gone and done? With Burton and Barnsley winning, this really wasn't the weekend to go down 3-1 at QPR. Do you know, it was the 12th time that the locals at Loftus Road have celebrated victory this season. No one outside of the top five has a better home record than that. Just imagine where they'd be if they didn't get travel sick. Ipswich seem all right on the road, though. They put four past Reading, who collapsed in horrifying style in injury time, and they remain very much in danger of the drop. And elsewhere, Wolves drew nil-nil with Sheffield Wednesday, a result that means nothing at all. Pressure? What pressure? Cardiff responded to Fulham's win over Sunderland with a gutsy 2-0 victory at Hull to stay a point ahead of the Cottagers in the race for second. While Middlesbrough booked their place in the playoffs with a 2-0 win over Millwall, who now require all of the maths to get back in the top six. And it was an emotional day at Norwich, where Wes Houlihan scored one and set up the other to see off Leeds 2-1 in his final game at Carrow Road. All of the maths. Uh, just before we get to Middlesbrough and Millwall, uh, let's talk a bit about Sunderland. There's a lot to unpack. Um, very briefly, Matt, it looked like they m- might pull off a bit of a shock. At the weekend, yeah. They uh, they played pretty well on Friday night, actually. Joel Soro with, uh, with a great strike and... Again, another example of fine point is to hold on to him in the summer. Uh, but Chris Coleman obviously won't be there because everything happened over the weekend. And yes. uh, he's out. There's a new owner coming in. And uh, yeah, all at quite a crucial time for the club, really, ahead of these, these rebuilding plans. Caroline, Sunday was an interesting day for Sunderland fans. It opened up with the news that Chris Coleman was uh, parting ways, mm. um, which everyone was quite surprised by. And then it emerged a takeover. Chris Coleman leaving one of, what, nine managers in a short short reign or fairly short reign at Sunderland in terms of the history of the club. There's your problem. No consistency there over, over the managers. Was it really a surprise that Chris Coleman was going? I guess at least he goes sort of not really on his own terms in so much as he said, right, I'll stay around, I'll be here. And he was adored, I think, by the majority of the Sunderland fans, at least if you listen to many of the podcasts, see some of the comments too. I don't think any blame was laid at his feet. Then Ellis Short, as you say, on his way out, if he has truly 
clear the decks. And if Stuart Donald, who's heading up this consortium, formerly of Eastleigh, comes in with a clean sheet, what he did at Eastleigh was yes, put some money in. Not not I mean sizable money in relation to to non-league football. But Ella Short even, I think, has said that, that Stuart Don doesn't have the sort of cash that some of the others that are coming with. But he's saying that he'll keep them sustainable, make them organised. And let's face it, going into that league, they're going to have the biggest budget in that league anyway. Well, they've, they've got 34 million quid in parachute payments coming in. Um, Matt, Ella Short has taken a kicking and, and with no small amount of justification. But he's just written off all of that debt. I mean, do you think that's enough to kind of, you know... I'm not saying he's going to over pat on the back, but that definitely that that was a nice thing to do, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a great final gesture, I think, from, from Ellis Short, but probably won't be enough at this stage to win back the the love of Sunderland fans. But he was saying that he would like to return to Stadium of Light someday in the future and uh, and enjoy them climbing back through the division. So we'll see whether that happens. Now. Well, we'll keep a very close eye on them next season. I suspect that's going to be an interesting run. Um, Joe Crilly is here. Hello, Joe. Hi. Um, you escaped the train? Were you kicked off for bad behaviour or uh, foul and abusive language? Straight yeah, red. That is, uh, that no, is typical. It was, it was a broken, uh, broken down train. Okay. Well, yeah. we're delighted to have you here. Now you are here. Who's the favourite for Sunderland manager? As my computer boots up, uh, <laughs> I'm going into the deep, dark recesses of my uh, brain, which isn't oh, a great place to go. Dear uh, God. But I think. I think it's uh, Mick McCarthy who's the odds-on favourite at the moment. Sound bet. I'd quite like that. Uh, Middlesbrough Millwall, though, that's our game of the week for the championship. We thought it was going to be very, very tight. Caroline, it, it proved to be a little one-sided in the end, didn't it? Well, Middlesbrough are securing their, their playoff places and, and things have dipped for Neil Harrison and Millwall. I say dipped. I mean, they've had a, a phenomenal run. The fans, would they have expected them to have been in the position they're in? And I know to fall just at, at that final bit. But I think for me, Millwall just, just maybe coming up against those playoff rivals towards the end has, has done for them. But they've been fantastic. I've really enjoyed the, the style of play. I've enjoyed watching them. And, and Middlesbrough did a bit of a job on them in the end. They looked yeah. a bit exhausted, didn't they, Millwall, yeah. I think, after this run. And uh, Tony Pulis, though, he was piling a praise on Neil Harris and Millwall uh, after the game, rather than talking about his own team's performance, really. But it was a thoroughly professional display from Middlesbrough. I thought they were excellent throughout. And uh, they looked well prepared ahead of that meeting with Aston Villa, which looks likely to be in the playoffs. Well, this is a thing with playoffs, and you want to be in momentum. That's three wins on the bounce for, um, for, for Middlesbrough. Tony Pulis has really gotten purring now, hasn't he? Yeah, he has, and uh, central to that has been Adama Traore's performances in 2018. I mean, he hadn't scored a goal for Borough before Pulis arrived. Uh, I went to the game where he got his first goal, actually. He got an assist as well against QPR when he won 3-0 there, and that seemed to kick it all off for Borough. And now he's on five strikes and eight assists in 21 games under Pulis. And he also got both assists for uh, the goals of the 2-1 win over Bristol City and two assists in the 2-1 win over Derby as well. So... Mm. Uh, sort of highlights the form he's been that, that's the key thing really what he's been giving them across the rest or in at least that, that final third to just his, his energy lifts the rest of the team too any time that someone slides in to try and take him out that lifts the rest of the team too so he's, he's given something else too it's just a really well balanced team yeah. as well I think you, you look at that midfield with Besic, Housen and, and Clayton all sort of sitting quite deep and they all have a, a job to do of, of, of anchoring the side and then it just frees up Traore, Downing who is still a very effective player on the left hand side and then the centre Asamba Longa got the nod over Bamford but Bamford's been in form as well and like you say it's all clicking at the right time but why time are we surprised all those names he just mm. listed they should be doing well they should have been in challenging for the automatics they should be in the playoffs but but should could would have maybe at least they are now Besic had a hell of a game didn't he I haven't seen him play that well in a long time <laughs> 
I don't know why, why I'm laughing at that, but, but you're right. It's just but, mean. But, but then again, you know, again, another big name finally performing when it matters. Surely uh, Pulis is going to turn around and say that, that for Middlesbrough at least, those players that are now ticking for him, those that they're coming up against, they're, they're unlocking and, and they're doing the job, is all down to what he wanted. They're picking at the right time, right? Well, if uh, if Middlesbrough go up, um, we can be fairly safe in saying that West Brom are going down. I mean, do you think Tony Pulis is going to mention that at all? <laughs> is that vine of him just laughing hysterically <laughs> after a game, isn't there? So I'd say he might just be in that sort of mood again. But I think another player that's been absolute key for Bowie this year has been Darren Randolph. And we sort of forget goalkeepers sometimes and how important they are. But but he was, he's been excellent. He he was he made a couple of important stops at the weekend, but Millwall didn't trouble him too much. But when you contrast that to Jordan Archer in the Millwall goal, we talked yeah. about his form last week. He made another error, dropping the ball at Johnny Housen's feet. And that's now seven leading to goals this season, more than anyone else in the Championship. And you kind of think, mm, perhaps if Millwall had a different stopper, then maybe it could have been a different story. Yeah, well, it's going to be an interesting summer for them. Um, goes without saying, Neil Harris is right up there as one of the managers of the year in that division. We'll see if he can repeat it next year. All right, coming up after the break, Fan League. <music> fan League time then. Not, not much more Fan League to go. Almost out of fan league. If you still want to play it, though, there's two more goes left. How? Well, you get it on the App Store, Caroline. You just search for fan league. It's a very simple game. 13 games. Pick home win, away win, or draw. See, I can do that. You can do quite well, actually, I've noticed. I did. I got 12 out of 13. Finally beaten Sven. Yep. He is finished. He is in my rearview mirror. I am done with Sven. Next challenge, please. On the slip this week, Birmingham Fulham. Zoinks. Matt, where do we go? Well, I, I watched uh, Birmingham QPR, actually, and uh, they, they totally capitulated in that second half. Took the lead, obviously, through Che Adams. Uh, QPR hit back straight away. And I tell you what, I really like watching this QPR side at the moment because they've got so many academy players coming through, and all thanks to Chris Ramsey again and Les Ferdinand, their great work. And uh, it's just brilliant to see a club that have sort of been stuck in mid-table all season looking to promote young players and do something a bit different and, and building towards next year and we talked about uh, Easy as well who played a big part in Wickham's promotion that they sealed at the weekend and uh, he's obviously been really key for them since, since coming back up in, in January so uh, so ra- Birmingham, Birmingham Fulham then rambling a little bit but I'm going to go for Fulham <laughs> ok Caroline uh, uh, so Right, so Cardiff will secure second. I'm going to ramble more than you if they beat Reading, right? So Fulham will go up if they beat Birmingham and Cardiff fail to win. So I'm going to go for Fulham to win it 2-1. All right, I'll go for a draw. Cardiff against Reading, surely to goodness the most obvious home-home win ever. You can't lose 4-0 at home to Ipswich when you're fighting relegation, can you? And, and Reading still aren't out of it, along with Birmingham, 43 points. Uh, really looking forward to this final day. I'm, I'm going to go for a Cardiff win in this one. Caroline? Uh, Reading have to do something. They have to do something. Come off the hour. Come off the Dave Edwards. I'm going 7-0 Reading. I'm not. Uh, I'm going for a 1-1. Save that clip for next week. Uh, Derby against Barnsley. Oh, Derby are getting better. Barnsley actually won a game. That's a horrible one. I'm just going to say draw. I didn't think Derby played brilliantly against Aston Villa, no. actually. Villa were all over them, and uh, I thought, uh, yeah, 1 1 draw sort of disguised that performance. So I'm going to go for Barnsley to sneak a, a safety securing win. 
as much as my heart wants Burton to stay up, so they need to better Barnsley's result, don't they? After Barnsley's performance of the week last time out, which was robbed, <laughs> I'm going to go for a Barnsley win too, which means the door will open for Preston into the playoffs. All righty. Uh, Millwall, Aston Villa. I think Millwall, three games without a win now. I think it's going to be four games without a win, isn't it? I'm going to go for Millwall victory, actually, in this Ooh. one. I think the Den has been such a brilliant atmospherical season and they'll want to end on a high. Uh, I think with Villa having secured the playoff place, I'm going for a Millwall win 2-1. OK, just me going for Villa there for the last time this season. Sunderland Wolves? Wolves victory. <laughs> <laughs> Caroline? Uh, Wolves are going to win this one twice. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Sunderland have had a hell of a year. They've been beaten out of sight all over the place. But I'm going to say Wolves win. Uh, no chance. No chance at all. So, Joe Crilly from William Hill, Preston North End banging on the door of the playoffs. Yeah, they are indeed. They're, they're very much um, the outsiders to, to get promoted, even to, to make the playoffs. They're 25 to 1 to even make the playoffs. Really? Um, yeah, uh, put that into perspective. Cardiff are 10 to 1, the next outsiders, and they're obviously uh, there because they would need to slip uh, down into yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Preston 25 to 1 to make the playoffs, but. I mean, stranger things have happened, and this this final day with with all the teams at the top and the bottom playing each other, uh, it, it's going to be a, a, an up and down day. And Seems very generous. Uh, tell me about the numbers at the bottom of the table. Well, this is where it uh, it gets a little bit uh, worrying, uh, personally. After <laughs> Bolton uh, predictably uh, capitulated against Burton, I think that's three defeats in uh, three against Burton this season. Burton and Bolton odds on to go down one to five and two to five. Barnsley. 8 to 11, so around about that 50% chance of, uh, of going down. Uh, with Birmingham and Reading still in it, but the odds would suggest that they are out of it, 14 to 1 and 33 to 1, respectively. Uh, how are you feeling as a Bolton fan? Because, you know, bottom of the form table, second bottom of the actual table. Yeah, I'm, I'm just very deflated. Um, at, the, at the start of the season... Uh, we had a terrible run and we were second favourites at the start of the season to go down. At the moment, it looks like that is going to be bang on the money. Uh, we are second bottom. And I think there's just an air of kind of resignation uh, amongst Bolton fans. Since the international break, uh, we've picked up one point from five or six games uh, since we beat Aston Villa at home, which is, is bizarre because Villa were in a great run of form at the time. Um, and, and the fact that we were second favourites to go down and we are second bottom and looking likely to finish in that position, it means that we've not really embarrassed ourselves, but we haven't overachieved and it, it's just exactly what we were expecting at the start of the season unfortunately you come join us in league one it's nice down there the water's lovely <laughs> well i did i did uh, i did post i did post something uh, uh when we when we got promoted or not when we got promoted but the, the game last season against south end uh saying uh I can't wait to get back in the championship so we don't have to come to grounds like this. <laughs> <laughs> He's kept that quite all season. Uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was more of a, a barb at somebody else who had, uh, had posted something uh, saying, I love grounds like this. Who supports a different team? Well, especially for you, Joe Crilly, it's the League One Roundup. It's so, so tight at the bottom of the table and a dramatic last-minute winner might just have saved Walsall while condemning Northampton Town. 
but who knows? This division is insane. Oldham are still in the melee. They could only draw 0-0 with Doncaster. Rochdale should be out of it by now, but they lost to Oxford, who beat them 2-1 after going behind. And AFC Wimbledon's future is still in the balance too. They did themselves proud at the weekend, getting a draw away at Wigan. But wait a minute. If Wimbledon are nearly safe, who's going down? MK Dons are down. They lost 2-0 at home to Scunthorpe and will start next season below Wimbledon in the pyramid for the first time since they magically appeared 14 years ago. That win for Scunthorpe to edge them closer to a playoff spot ahead of tonight's crucial game against Plymouth. And they could be joined by Charlton, who inflicted only a second defeat in 34 matches on Blackburn to hold on to fifth. And Berry have suddenly decided to start winning. George Miller scored the seventh of a productive loan spell as the Shakers beat Portsmouth 1-0. Peterborough's faint hopes of making the playoffs were snuffed out on Saturday. They did their bit, beating the soon-to-be-known as Joey Barton's Fleetwood Town 2-0 at London Road, but it isn't going to be enough. Plymouth are still scrapping away. They beat Rotherham 2-1 thanks to a last-minute Graham Carey penalty, and they're only two points behind sixth place Scunthorpe with two games to go. And who do Plymouth play tonight? Sixth place Scunthorpe! Blackpool had won their last four going into Saturday's clash with Shrewsbury, but you know not to write off Paul Hurst's side this season, and they grabbed a 1-1 draw. Southend are on track for a top-10 finish after leapfrogging Bradford with a 2-0 win at Valley Parade. That's 31 points from a possible 51 since Chris Powell took over, while Bradford have taken just 12 from a possible 36 under Simon Grayson. And Gillingham were already safe after results elsewhere, but snatched a 94th-minute equaliser at Bristol Rovers anyway. Walsall Northampton then, late drama there. Matt, talk us through it. Really late drama with uh, Dobson getting a winning goal on a, on a counter-attack. It was actually a cracking game, this one. Uh, two sides who both started off trying to look for the initiative. Northampton on the top in the first half and then Walsall came storming back after the break. And uh, I thought, yeah, cracking contest at this stage of the season with two teams looking obviously to stay in the division and uh, Northampton looks like uh, they'll be slipping out of it now because they need a, a nine-goal win against Oldham on the final day to stay up after that defeat. Yeah, there's a 17-goal swing required. So they're, they're can down, I, aren't can they? Can I just give some love to the fixture computer? Although, when I say love, clearly if you're involved with any of these clubs that have been tied together at the end of the season, you'd hate it. And you'd want to go back to the days when it was uh, some fella, normally was a fella, with a pencil working out the uh, the fixtures come the end of the season. But to put these two together and then on the flip side of that, to have Plymouth up against Scunthorpe for the playoffs, it's just been a wicked, wicked turn of fate has been the fixture list at the end. Northampton had a, a couple off the woodwork, as, as you were saying. There's no hope really for them now. And, and a season that has seen them gone with maybe some thought sublime, then maybe quite ridiculous management chances the captain turning around now uh, David Buchanan if you heard his his quote saying that, that Dean Austin has has done right for them and has been has been great for them but just too little too late what's going on I don't know if you watched what's been going on off the pitch in well, relation to their stadium I was going to ask you about that because uh-huh. uh, most people will remember that Northampton were taken over by a large Chinese consortium and had kind of expected rapid advancement but this season three different managers two of whom are former South End fullbacks really and uh, the wheels have come off they're almost certainly going down the chairman was doing a big mea culpa in the local papers yeah what, what happened where'd the money go yeah, well that's the big question <laughs> oh. I haven't got it sunshine oh. uh, Kelvin Thomas who's, who's the chairman says that they've they've sort of stalled in their conversations with the council the council allegedly have spent some million pounds trying to get back the 10 million that they apparently loaned to the club to build the new stand and and Kelvin Thomas is saying you know this wasn't part of of what we came into the club to sort out so do they need this the stadium upgrade to to keep going forward and so it's all a big 
big mess at the moment. Both parties need to start talking to, to one another. But clearly, when there's a lot of money at stake and they can't find out where this money has gone, big problems for the team. Matt, Northampton very much are our Chesterfield of this division in that we've seen them a few times, always been impressed and always thought they'd get out of it. They haven't got out of it. No, uh, and that's what Buchanan said actually after the game. He said, uh, we've got a fantastic group that's underachieved this year. And I think in the last couple of games, you've you've really seen that because they beat Plymouth 2-0 in the, the game before the Walsall result. And uh, they have had a bit of a revival under Dean Austin, but they've just left it too late. And, and you saw in, in the opening stages the way they approached the match at Walsall and what was a, a real pressure cooker game. Uh, they played some excellent football, like Grimes released Powell inside the first couple of minutes. He struck the inside of the post and... I think Caroline uh, mentioned there, but these are the margins we're talking about. If if that goes in, they hold on. They're on 49 points, and they know that beating Oldham, who are also down there on the last day, keeps them up. Yeah. And even if they snatched a, a, a draw, even if it stayed at nil-nil, they're in the same scenario. They know Rochdale have to beat Charlton. So they've slipped out of it on the penultimate day of the season, really, and uh, it could have been so different for them. And Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, I mean, he probably has to take quite a bit of responsibility because he did bring in a lot of players in, in January uh, after they brought in quite a few players last summer as well under Justin Edinburgh at the start of the season and uh, just didn't work for them at all. Uh, let's have a look at Walsall because they won. Had a nice pitch invasion. All seems very happy. Uh, John Whitney was sacked just a few weeks ago and local, local hero Dean Keats comes in. Bit of a gamble, but they've got two games left and a single point will keep them up. So has it paid off? It's a weird one, really, because I think if you look at Walsall's form before Whitney was sacked, I mean, they, they lost a few just before but before he left, but they were playing teams at the top uh, top end of the division, really. And uh, so I don't think it's been a total transformation under Keats. Uh, two wins, a draw, and four defeats in seven games. But uh, I thought they played really well in that second half, actually. I mean, th- they were playing out from the back, and when you're in that sort of situation, to, to pass it and, and move at, at such speed and the counter-attacks that they played, I, I thought was excellent. And uh, it, it's definitely encouraging for them ahead of two games now. They play Bradford away tonight and they're at Fleetwood away on the last game of the season, and they still need a point, really, to stay up. Yeah, that game in hand is, is going to be what helps them out, I think. Then What has changed is, I think maybe there has been a bit of a mentality change. They they did look calm passing it out from the back. They didn't at any stage have a look up at the clock and think, we're panicking here. Or at least as a neutral watching, I didn't get that sense. Yeah, which is, I mean, I guess that happened against AFC Wimbledon when yeah. they lost 3-2 at home when they were absolutely cruising. And so for Keats clear to go into a, a dressing room that is perhaps a bit agitated, isn't very settled, hasn't been playing that well and... Uh, give the players that confidence in the second half to come out and win a game that they that they had to win really is yeah it's huge Joe Crilly from William Hill tell us the numbers at the bottom of League One top of League One's done but at the bottom that's a mess isn't it get uh, used to that that's yeah. you next season <laughs> <laughs> what, what being a mess <laughs> or being at the bottom of League One um, I mean we're not even quoting Northampton obviously um Rochdale four to eleven to go down. Oldham two to one, uh, with Walsall uh, out to twenty five to one after that uh, last minute win, and uh, Wimbledon fifty to one. But uh, I, I know somebody who is involved in the relegation battle, who is very nervous despite the fact that they're involved with one of the teams who are longer odds, Walsall and Wimbledon, who who are still desperate for. For, for a point, despite the fact that they look like they're going to stay on. That's all very suspicious, it's isn't it? Coy. Yeah. <laughs> this is why I don't read those detective novels. Because at the start, I'm thinking, you're just annoying me now by not telling me who's done it. I don't want to have to get to the end of the book to work out who's done it. Just tell me now.
he do it? Can he actually do it? No one gave Martin Allen a hope of rescuing Barnett when he pitched up for the fifth time, but it's on. It is on. The Bees beat Morecambe 1-0 on Saturday, and if they beat already relegated Chesterfield next weekend and Morecambe lose to playoff chasing Coventry, well, this will be quite the great escape. Forest Green have escaped. It wasn't very great. They were beaten 3-1 by Luton Town, but 47 points will be enough for them, and it'll also be enough for Yeovil, who went down 3-2 at home to Mansfield, who still just about have a chance of the playoffs. The Accrington fairy tale continued as John Coleman's side secured the title with a 1-0 win over Lincoln. But it was all about Wickham on Saturday, who will join Stanley in League One next year after beating Chesterfield 2-1 to claim third place. It gives hope to all teams, said manager Gareth Ainsworth, of Wickham and Accrington's success. They can all do it, they can all have a go at promotion despite the finances. Coventry are also eyeing a swift return back to the third tier, and it's unlikely anyone will want to face them in the playoffs after they thrashed Cheltenham 6-1. Mark McNulty bagged a hat-trick that takes him to 26 strikes for the season. Early pace-setters Exeter could have, and perhaps should have, kept their chase for third going until the last day of the season, but a 3-1 defeat to Stevenage put paid to that. But at least they made the playoffs. Carlisle didn't even get that, and it's meant a parting of the ways for them and Keith Curl. Still, a 2-1 win over Port Vale means that he can leave with a certain amount of dignity, and he's unlikely to remain unemployed for too long. Newport are close to securing a top-half finish. They beat Cambridge 2-1, and given that they were almost relegated this time last year, he got a salute manager, Michael Flynn. Colchester and Swindon are already on the beach after a sleepy 0-0 draw, but Ian's relegation tip crew climbed a place to 16th thanks to a 2-1 win at Harry Kewell's Crawley. And Grimsby Town, who looked destined to plunge back into non-league a few weeks ago on the back of a 20-game winless run, are now up to 18th, beating Notts County 2-1 to claim their third victory in four games. All right, we'll have a chat about Morecambe and Barnett in a minute, but Caroline, I was intrigued to note that Mm. EFL chairman will be meeting up to discuss the future of matchday programmes and whether or not they should be obliged to make them. Were you intrigued or were you furiously going up into your loft, getting down your collection, reading through them, thinking, why? (laughs) Sorry, was that No, no, not so Why? Should have been louder. Speaking... go louder. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Why would you do that? Why would you get rid of a match day programme? I love a match day programme. Do you? I love a spot the ball competition. I love a, a, a random advert for a carpet firm down the road. I love hearing from the chairman. I love hearing from the manager. I love hearing how they don't really want to write their programme notes but are forced into it to find something to write about. I want to find out about a little bit of history from, from the club that I didn't know. I want to sit there and flick through something when there's someone sat alongside me that I don't really want to talk to even though that's my dad and clearly I do want to talk to my dad. Why wouldn't you want a match day programme sure if it's too expensive I'm still going sure if it's still expensive you just maybe cut it down to eight pages just give us something to read create a digital version too that you can send out to all the fans it's supposed to be a discussion you haven't inhaled for one minute thirty there you go I'm breaking I'm not actually going to break because you know what this is ridiculous is it though is it because I like a programme as much as an X-Man maybe even more I've got a big dusty box of programmes I used to regularly write off to Steve Earle's football programs in Suffolk um, where you sent off a postal order and he'd send you five random programs from yesteryear I loved them but having worked as a journalist for 10 years and been given loads of them I can't remember the last time I enjoyed reading one they tend to be like over sanitized kind of cleaned up corporate products now and they're about four or five quid 
I'm going to bring one in for you to read that you will enjoy. Where, where's it from? Because I'm on page four. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't enjoy that. See, see, the problem is, clearly I'm coming at it from a lower, lower league perspective. And actually, if you can sell a bit of advertising space, if you can work hard, the pride in it too. I love some of the fan shots. I love the conversations that happen around it. Then maybe it's a good thing. This whole forcing clubs into it, maybe that's what's got clubs' backs see, up. But... All, all I want is a team. Sheet. I just want to know who's who. Do maybe you? maybe they can just do one of those and you can buy a magazine from the club shop if you want one. Did you see Wolves' programme at the weekend? Jodie Craddock, ex of Wolves, brilliant artist. He designed it too. It's a thing of beauty. I know it was a special occasion and all that, but it looked gorgeous. People will take that home and they will cherish it. Uh, I think they should stay. Matt, programme collector? Uh, I was as a, as a youth, yeah. Um, misspent youth collecting football programmes. <laughs> But I, I can see why clubs don't want to do it because a lot of them say that they make a loss on programmes these days. And I think the important thing is that no one's actually getting rid of programmes. It's just clubs being able to decide themselves whether they have to yeah. produce one or not. And I think a lot of clubs will still try and do some sort of match day uh, reading programme for kids or something. Uh, a, to a reading programme. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. I was going to say some sort of literature instead. But yeah, anyway, they'll, they'll do something, I'm, I'm sure, even if they get rid of the main programme. And, uh, and yeah. Okay, strong section, everyone. Thank you. Uh, Morecambe <laughs> against Barnet. <laughs> Bloody hell, Barnet. They were done. They were absolutely done. Four wins and a draw in his last six games. Martin Allen's got a chance here. It's absolutely mad, isn't it, that they've uh, they've come from where they were, eight points adrift whenever Martin Allen took over, and uh, now just two points. And uh, Chesterfield at home, I mean, if you want to play any team on the last day of the season, it's probably going to be the side that are already down bottom of the division. And Morecambe, tricky trip to uh, Coventry to negotiate what I love about this fixture is is the psychology of Barnet fans is kind of the psychology of every fan in so much as my mate who's a, my mate who's a Barnet fan uh, said to me well of course we're going to beat Chesterfield but of course then there's going to be a draw between Coventry and Morecambe that helps them both out so Barnet will go on and win Barnet will go on and win but then if, if Morecambe and Coventry draw and goal difference is such then it's not going to be enough so that's that's kind of the feelings of a football fan at this stage. Martin Allen, Matt, uh, he was in here. He was one of our early guests. He may well be a guest again before too long. He evidently thought you were a bit nervous when you were in the studio, didn't he? Because you, you tend to be quite quiet and studious before before a big show. You know, different people deal with pressure in different ways. And uh, But Martin took you under his wing, didn't he? He did. He, he made me feel... Uh... Very assured, Ian, and uh, he gave me a little pep talk before the show. And uh, kept slapping him on the back and like glaring at him and patting his leg. And go on, son, go on. I was, I was ready that. to run through brick walls from after that. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, joking aside, he's he's clearly has had an effect on this squad, hasn't he? Well, he's had an effect on that football club quite a few times in the past as well. And uh, yeah, the owner, Tony Cleanthos, whenever he released that statement when uh, he hired Martin Allen back and wanted to explain to the fans why he's made so many changes this season, he said that Martin Allen had talked about how they were in a relegation battle back when they hired Wesley. And he said he didn't want to believe it. He still thought they could climb the table, maybe even have a shot at the playoffs, even though surely that was all gone. And uh, if he trusted him back then, then Alan could have saved him. Interesting Graham-Wesley symmetry, isn't there? Because uh, shortly before the end of last season, Newport sacked him and then there was a miraculous great escape. And uh, the same thing could be happening now. I'm saying nothing other than if you buy the Barnet programme at the weekend, you may read the notes of Martin Allen, which will be exciting. <gasps> oh, but you might yeah. want to read the notes on the website prior to that if you're a fan of Barnet. Some might say this might get you to shut up. Some might say this might get you to shout. He talks about all the stands around the ground as if he's addressing every single one of the fans. 
uh, at the Hive. He says, those behind the goal have been the tribal group. They've sung their hearts out. The players have mentioned it. We're really grateful for your backing. The stand opposite me has found its feet after the move. The atmosphere when you sing is tremendous. And then he says, as for the stand for my right and the people going in there, it's no good getting a seat in there, acting like a busload of tourists in Trafalgar Square, taking <laughs> selfies, talking about the lovely view and the comfortable seats. You are there. You're in there to do a job. And together, all of us will help our players achieve what we set out to do six weeks ago. Essentially, get off your backside and start shouting. See, that, that's Martin Allen all over, isn't it? I mean, I'm not in that stand. I'm not there on Saturday, but I'm standing up and I'm shouting. Do you, do you feel like, although we've talked about Martin Allen a lot, you'd like to hear even more from the man himself? I think I would pay good money for Would that. you pay? Well, you don't have to, Caroline. Uh, all you have to do is give us a like on Facebook, because late this afternoon I'm going to talk to Martin Allen and we'll stick that whole interview up on Facebook for you. So check that out. Just search for Totally Football Show or whatever it is we're listed as. Do I have to wave my fee again if I want to listen to it? <laughs> fee, bless you. Hey, League Two odds. Joe Crilly, William Hill. What's going on? Barnet chances? Yeah, I, I, I seem to remember a few weeks ago we were discussing the prices and Barnet were 100 to 1 uh, or around about 100 to 1, 66 to 1 to, to, to stay up. They're odds on to go down still, but they are just 2 to 5 uh, with Morecambe 7 to 4. So a hell of a lot closer. And again, as with all the, uh, the Football League divisions uh, this weekend, it's going to be incredibly tight on the last day of the season. It the certainly is. What else is going to be tight? Scunthorpe Plymouth tonight. That is a doozy of a game because whoever wins, looking in the driving seat for the playoffs, I've got a sneaking feeling that Plymouth will pull this off. Because it feels like it would be it would be cheating all of us if they launched themselves up from bottom of the table only to slip at the final hurdle. Just saw that Derek Adams didn't actually join in the lap of honour um, at Plymouth at the weekend because he was so confident, apparently, that they'll be back there in the playoffs. Uh, he didn't feel he needed to. Nice, nice. Joe, mm. what do you reckon? Well, is, is that confidence misplaced? Because Plymouth are 3-1 to one to win away from home. Scunthorpe 4-5 and the draw 5-2. to two. Right, we've got some questions and you can send your questions to us on Twitter or on Facebook or on Instasnaps or by emailing us at hello at Um And while we're there, if you want to leave a review on iTunes, they're always gratefully appreciated. I say always, not all of them. Some of them. Mum, if you're listening, stop it. Please, I've got a career to hold. Uh, listeners, questions. Uh, Michael Friel says, in the playoffs, we often see the third-place team missing out to a team who sneak in late as they're carrying momentum. Given their form, are Fulham likely to buck this trend? I think he's trying to say, are Fulham going up? Yeah, Fulham are definitely going up, is, is my belief. And if you look at the team that's sneaking in, Derby, then uh, I'm not sure Derby are going to trouble Fulham. I've said it now. All right. I totally agree with the honourable gentleman to my right. I think that Fulham maybe didn't always have hopes this season of finishing second. So they've not really ridden that, that second bubble. It's been more of a bonus towards the end of the season than, than anything else. Whereas I think they believe they've been the play, play, playoffs. Playoffs. And I think they believe they've been the playoffs. And I think they believe they'll go and win them. We banned that voice. That upset oh. too many people. Uh, Gary Lambert on Twitter uh, said, how good a job has Alex Neal done at Preston? And how about an apology for ignoring Preston for pretty much the whole season while others you've salivated over have fallen away? Matt? 
I don't think we've ignored Preston. I think we talked about Preston I an awful we t- lot. We talked about every single one of the 72 clubs for about the same amount of time. Unless it was cut from the show, and I don't think it was. I, I did mention for about 10 weeks that they were on uh, a, a run of matches where they'd lost only one in, once in like 16 games or something. So I, I think Alex Neal has done a tremendous job. And to be still in with a shout of the top six going into the final day when they play Burton at home is uh, tremendous in his first season. H.E. Robinson says, ever since Ian tipped crew to go down, we've been on an excellent run and we'll finish safely in mid-table. Can Ian predict us to go down at the start of next season, please? If he does, I reckon we'll be champions by March. (laughs) Happy to oblige. (laughs) Crew are going down next season. Uh, Thank you so much, Caroline Barker, for joining us. Um, Can I talk about programmes? I don't think Uh, so, no. Matt? Can I talk about reading programme literature? (laughs) I don't think so, no. Joe Crilly? Can I talk about advertising in programmes? Yeah, of course you can. (laughs) Thank you also to Social Paul and producer Abby. And thank you, dear listener, for listening. We'll see you next Tuesday. The Totally Football League Show is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email us at sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Listeners, around 97% of those of you who tune into the Totally Football Show are male. But despite being more likely to be diagnosed with cancer than women, men are much less likely to ask for help, even when they need it. And that's why we've teamed up with Macmillan Cancer Support to try and put that right. Cancer can affect you emotionally as well as physically. It can affect your relationships, your work and your confidence. So it's vital to seek support. Talking is an important part of dealing with cancer and Macmillan wants to make men with cancer of whatever sort more aware of this so they can be honest and open with their family and loved ones. For more information or to find support, visit macmillan.org.uk. That's M-A-C-M-I-L-L-A-N.org.uk.